Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. 25 years ago next month, I will have embarked upon a journey with a dark-haired, curly-headed, blue-eyed lady. Our first date was on June 18th, 1994. By October of 1995, we were married. And the joy, the journey has been crazy. And we've watched that love blossom and we've watched it multiply even this week. And we've watched this love as it, it makes our, our good times exponentially better. It makes our really hard and difficult times really endurable. It's been a love that's helped us grow in maturity and in character. And because we loved each other enough to, to take each other the way we were, but loved each other too much to not help each other change. And, 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 and that didn't come without sacrifice. And you know what's happened in the last 25 years? That love has multiplied into four other lives. And as of this week, it has multiplied to start another family. And that, that, that's not the good part yet, but thank you. Huh? And, and, and it's caused, you know what's crazy is even this week, Rachel and I have had a chance to talk about the person of Christ because people saw love blossoming in our family. That's where it's at, right? Our lives are to be lived in such a way. There is to be such love among us that people ask questions and make comments that allow us to, to, to portray the gospel of Jesus, not just talk about how great everything is. And, and, and you know, I think we're all looking for a, a, a love that, that, that it transcends time and space, right? That it, trans, it, it transcends uh, 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 all the difficult times. It, it does exponentially make the good times better. We're looking for a kind of love that not only helps us be who we are, but helps us be all that we're supposed to be. I think that's what all of us are looking for. And, and it doesn't just happen in marriage, although marriage is awesome. It does happen, though, uh, for sure, among a group of people who share like, like, like precious faith, who are on a journey together, and love each other enough to take each other just the way they are, but love each other too much to let each other stay the same. Is that true? We've been reading out of Colossians uh, this last uh, few weeks, and uh, contrary to one verse of Scripture, and because of what this cross that's now empty, the symbolism of it over here on this side, and because of a tomb that's empty, the symbolism of it on this side, something amazing happened. The Bible says that God placed Jesus first in everything. Let me read it to you. Christ is also the head of the church. The word church doesn't mean, mean a building. It means a group of people. Christ is the head of a family, a spiritual family. Christ is the head of a, of, of a body that is the instrument of life. We talked about that last week. 
He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. The scripture tells us, and we watched it portrayed in the tank a minute ago, that God has resurrected us up out of our sin, when the deadness of sin, and brought us to new life. And that's what Jesus said. He's the firstborn of that. And then the Bible goes on to say through the apostle Paul this, so he is first in everything. God has made him the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because of the resurrection from the dead, because we celebrated Easter Resurrection Sunday last month, because of that, today, Jesus is first in everything. But my fear is this, that we are practical atheists. Ooh, got quiet quick. Because God has placed Jesus first, but many times we don't live as though that's the case. And so I've been spending the last three weeks talking about placing him first because that's where he's supposed to be. Because of his death and because of his resurrection. Placing him first means this, loving one another. Who's one another? The one another's are those sitting around you right now. Your brothers and sisters. Sacrificially, the way he loved you so that others can see his love at work in the earth. That's God's plan. We talked about first week that we need to place him king. We talked about last week we need to place his plan, his mission, above all other plans. And this week we need to place the love he's given us in, in, in such a framework in our lives that it's easy to sacrificially give it away to other people so that other people will know and see his work among us. Philippians 2 reads like this. Listen to these words. Is there any encouragement from, and the next word is this, belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort in his love? What's the next one? Is there any fellowship together? Fellowship together in the spirit. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? All of those things in there talk about us not doing life alone, but doing life with other people. Then Paul writes these words, then make me truly happy. What's these next lines? By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Agreeing from somewhere deep within, not just externally, but internally with each other. Loving one another. Working together with one mind and purpose. Verse 3 says, don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. First thing I see in this piece of scripture is this. If we're going to place Jesus first... And we're going to love others, our brothers and sisters, the way he wants us to so that the world around us can see his love at work. The very first place to start is this. We have to start with an otherish heart. We've got to start with a place where we're not selfishly looking inward. We're otherishly looking outward to the one sitting right next to us right now. Because Paul's talking as he writes these words of Philippians, not just that he's talking just to anybody. He's talking to a group of believers in a place called Philippi who are, who are congregating together, trying to learn what it means to follow Christ, trying to learn what it means to be the body of, uh, of Christ, trying to carry out his life and his mission on the earth. And he says, listen, do these things. Agree together. Fellowship together. But make a place of belonging for each other. Don't do it selfishly. Don't worry about your image. That's what he says. Don't try to impress others. If you came here this morning, I'm going to say, oh, I'm 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 say something kind of harsh maybe. Is that okay? If the, if the first thing you did when you got up this morning and you started worrying about how you were going to dress, how other people were going to look at you, you came with the wrong heart. 
he just say that? I absolutely did. If your first thing was like, well, my hair, my this, my that, whatever, what shoes am I going to wear? Dude, you're missing the point. You're not here to impress anybody. That's why this pastor's here with this t- his shirt untucked and wearing a pair of sneakers. I don't care. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Huh? You know why? Because of this. What, what Derek said from the, from the top a minute ago. When God looked down on Jesus before Jesus did anything, he said these, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. And you know what's crazy? Because of Christ, we all get the same starting point. Huh? He's well pleased with me. Not because I'm all that good, but because Jesus is. And Jesus says, listen, my blood will take care of all his weakness. My spirit will strengthen all of his difficulty. I'll take care of all his junk. It's okay. And so I don't have to put on anymore. I don't have to wear a tie. I don't have to wear a suit. I don't have to, I don't have to do any of that. All I got to do is be what God wants me to be. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I ain't, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. And we cannot. In this congregation of believers, if we're so worried about how we're, what kind of impression we're going to make on somebody sitting next to us, we are still at a surface level. Thanks, Daryl. I'm glad. You know how old this guy is right here? How, he's 11. He's 11 years old. He got reborn about 11 years ago on Palm Sunday, and he's been growing in Jesus ever since. He's just merely a teenager. Growing and excited that he gets to walk with the people of God. Huh? God, I've been reading a book lately. I want to read, I'm going to read some excerpts this morning. There's a book called Irresistible Faith by a pastor named Scott Sauls, and he says these words. God's grace flows downhill to the low places, not uphill to the pompous and put-together places. That's why those two words in the middle of Philippians 2, 3 are really important. Be humble. The book of James says this, that God gives grace to the humble but the proud he opposes. So we've got to start with that, that we're not here to impress you, we're, we're here to be humble. He goes on to say these words, listen, as we consider the kind of friendship and community God wants for believers, we have to remember that true Christian community has a primary goal in mind. There is one mind and one purpose that we have to agree to wholeheartedly, and it's this, to present ourselves and one another to Jesus Christ as a lovely, sanctified bride, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. On Wednesday morning, I had to answer a question that went something like this. Who gives this woman to be married to this man? And I I, I had the privilege of responding this way, her mother and I. Now let me say something about that. I could not have done that if a couple of things weren't in, I could have done it in good conscience, and I couldn't do it, I've done it with great expectation about what lies ahead, if a couple of things hadn't happened in the meantime. If I hadn't taught my daughter how to love, if I hadn't had, had, had shown my, my daughter what it looks like for love to persevere through difficulty and hard times, if I hadn't shown her what love looks like sacrificially, if I hadn't had hard conversations with her when she was trying to jack her life up and said, listen, there's a right and a wrong way. I love you too. I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay the same without growing. If I hadn't given her an example with the way Rachel and I have that kind of exercise in our own lives, I could could not have done that with good expectation if I didn't know the guy standing next to her in that ceremony hadn't experienced the same thing. 
And our job as Christians is not just to be happy and comfortable. Our job as Christians is to make sure the people sitting around us become more like Jesus. And that necessitates us accepting them the way they are, but loving them too much, let them stay the same. To speak truth and life to them, to hold them accountable, to want to be held accountable ourselves because I know there's stuff in me that is still yet God's in the process and a work of making me better. And I need you to speak into it sometimes. And you need me to speak into it sometimes. And if I'm going to be presented at the end of my days to Jesus as his bride, then he need, we need to be able to know that we've learned what love and truth look like walking together in life. That's our job. Placing him first means that we love others around us to the point of sacrificially loving them so that the world around them will see what love looks like when it's really in operation. He says this, Scott Saul says this, when we grant each other the spirit-led blend of grace and truth, I like this, of love and law, of come as you are, and I love you too much, let you stay as you are, we give one another the supreme gift, listen to these words, the supreme gift of true friendship and community. Boy, that's good. I don't want somebody who's just a fair-weather friend. I don't want somebody who's just going to be a yes man in my life. Don't want somebody who's just going to pat me when I'm doing good and, you know, kind of leave me high and dry when things are going bad. Don't want that. Don't need that. We need people who are sacrificially walk through life with us at the expense of themselves. We're to be that for Colossians 3, 5 reads like this. So put to death the sinful earthly lurking within you earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Now, right now, all of us sitting here suddenly should have an urgency in the, in the depth of our soul. Because of the last words I just read. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Some we can't get around. There's a, there's, a day, there's a day God set out where Jesus will become King of kings and Lord of lords in a real way. He'll come back to judge the earth. The scriptures are very clear on that. And right now, we as Christians ought to be concerned about that. There'll be an urgency in us that, that people around us will not be ready for that day. How do we make ourselves ready for that? Well, we, we, we get rid of the other things that are the list above. He goes, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now, everybody look at your neighbor and go, but now. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Look at the next line. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature... Now listen to these words. And be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. See, if you've come in here just to grow your knowledge base, you're missing the point. But if you've come in here today with an endeavor to know the one who made you, created you, and saved you, and understand him better and become more like him, then suddenly you've you've attached yourself to the real goal. If all we do is come in here and understand things and, and learn Greek and Hebrew and everything like that and understand like, like different kind of biblical principles and, and we got really smart, but we did not come to know our creator better at, during this time, and if we haven't learned to become more like him, we are wasting our time. 
And the purpose of God's church is to help every one of us come to know that this is only one piece of that. Me speaking to you from the scripture is just one piece of that. You need people who will be in your life every day, who will speak into it every day, who will give you the scripture, who will pray for you every day, who will be a part of that. And if this is all you're getting, you're missing a big hunk of being a part of the family of Christ. There's there's so much more to it than that. He goes on to say, in this new life, I like this. In this new life, it doesn't matter. Look at your neighbor and say, it doesn't matter. What doesn't matter? Here's what doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. In this kingdom, your ethnic background doesn't matter. And if ethnic backgrounds matter to you, Jesus is still not completely the Lord of your life yet. Oh... It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter if you show up with a religious background or if you show up today and you have zero religious background or a different religious background. Doesn't matter if you're barbaric or uncivilized. Doesn't matter if you know all the rules of ethics and etiquette that are appropriate in an environment like this. We don't care. If you don't know when to stand up or when to sit down, we don't care. We don't get, you know, it doesn't matter. If you don't know all the, all the rules of getting in and out of, we're not worried about that. And Jesus doesn't worry about that. Listen, if, if you are slave or free, listen, some of you showed up this morning and there's some nagging thing that you feel bound by all the time. Some kind of addiction, some kind of depression or discouragement, some kind of emotional thing that just plagues you day in and day out. Listen, this is a place that's safe because we're not worried about those things. We're worried about you knowing Jesus. Christ is all that matters, it says. None of that other stuff matters. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us collectively. He is best seen when we collectively live by the fact that none of that other stuff matters. That's when he's best seen. That's when he's best known. That's when people can understand what he's really like when a group of people who should not be together for any reason whatsoever, who don't share the same skin color, don't share the same background, don't share the same socioeconomic background, don't understand, haven't come from the same religious backgrounds, come together with all their baggage and their trash and their junk, come together, and they're like, we just love Jesus, and he's loving us, we're trying to love each other. Bam, something amazing happens. See, what I learned in the scripture is this, renewal doesn't start with religion, but a relentless refusal to place God and others above myself. See, every one of those things in the first few things are all about me getting what I want. Lust takes from others to gratify self. But when I do that, I'm not being Christ-like. But when I love people, I sacrifice myself for their benefit, for their gratification, for their edification. I learn to put myself down so that they might live. And that's what Jesus expects. He, Christ, when Christ matters more than myself, I'm getting somewhere. When the other people around me matter more than I care about myself, then I'm getting somewhere. When I finally come to the, degree, the, the, the understanding that I have to be not an image person, a person worried about my image, but a person who doesn't lie. What does that mean? That means I'm just real. When I have a problem, I'm not ashamed to ask one of the the prayer people to pray for me. 
Just the other week, was, I don't know, a month ago, I had a really bad week. I had a meltdown on, on, on one, on, in one particular day, and I still struggled when I got here Sunday morning. That's just being honest. One of my brothers was standing right here, and right in the middle of worship, I walked over and said, bro, you got to help this old fella out because he needs prayer bad. He's struggling today. I could have been over here and just been the pastor and smile and say, God bless you, sister. How you doing? Jesus lives next door to my house. I live in the big crystal cathedral. Everything's good at my place. Huh? That would have been awesome, wouldn't it? No, because it wouldn't have been real. I don't have all my stuff together. I am a work in progress. I'm just telling you. Now, I love Jesus passionately. I love being what he wants me to be. I love growing. But I'm still a dude who struggles sometimes daily. I go through cycles where I'm like, dude, I just can't keep my head above water. Anybody else like that in here? How many of y'all have had a week like that this week somehow? Huh? Anybody? Had like a week like, dude. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all lie when you walked in here? How you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Had a week from hell, but I'm good. Huh? I bet there was more lies told in the first 10 minutes you put onto this parking lot than you told all week long. Oh, he's messing now. And, huh? I'm just saying, listen, we're not supposed to be who have our junk together. We're supposed to be a people who are trying to figure out how to live life in the light of who Jesus is. And he's the one who's perfect. The rest of us aren't. He's helping us grow from glory to glory, not because we're that good, but because he is. And that's where we, that's where we have life. And then that's where his love is conveyed to other people because he, they see people who they know don't have it together, but somehow they still love each other. They see people who've messed up, and you know what? They keep walking with each other. They see people who, who are desperately concerned about the other person next to them growing and being all that they're supposed to be in Christ. And many, it makes a difference. Yeah. Putting off yourself involves confession. Being real, being honest, being authentic. Letting go of your image. Listen to these words. Their confessions are a setup for celebrating grace. And Derek just said these words from the tank a minute ago. And for reassuring people everywhere that if God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness can reach and transform the likes of them, they can also transform any kind of person. If this dude here gets to hold a microphone and talk to people about Jesus and the things of eternity, then trust me, God's grace is profound. I mean, just telling you, it's crazy. They want, he's talking about the writers of Scripture, they wanted to convince the world that the one true God forgives not just once or twice, but repeatedly. And that for he forgives not just so-called little sins, but also supremely shameful and significant ones. God, these ancient saints wanted the world to know, is above all gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love. And he ends the sentence by going like this, this is our irresistible God. Yes. Yes. Placing him first means loving others, your brothers and your sisters, in particular, in such a way, sacrificially, love of God is easily seen by those around you and experience. That's what it's about. Colossians 3.12 goes on to say these words. Since God chose you, 
Now do this for me real quick. Lean over to the person next to you. Pop him a fist bump and go, he's talking to us. Since God chose you. He's talking to you. He's talking to me since he chose us. To be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Listen to those words. How many of y'all want some more of that? Tender-hearted mercy. Kindness. How many people would like kindness in here, right? Who? Come on, man. Be, be confessional. We're going to work on this, man. Y'all like, yeah, I don't know if I want that really. I mean, you know, give, give me all the rage and anger you got. That's kind of what I want. Huh? Is that what you're saying? Huh? Give me all the malice you have. I'm on it. Huh? I don't think anybody's in here saying that. So, like, how many of y'all want tender-hearted mercy? How many of y'all want that? Really? Okay, good, good. We're tracking. How many of y'all want kindness? How many of y'all love it when somebody gives dishes out humility? They walk in a humble spirit. How many of y'all love that? Drawn to that, okay? How about me? How many of y'all want gentleness? How many of y'all would love patience? I, tell, I see somebody go, oh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I've asked for that one time. How many of y'all like it when patience is conveyed to you? Huh? I mean, come on. So here's how you do that. You make allowances, verse 13, for each other's faults, and you forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Because you remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If that's what we want, that's what we got to be used to dishing out, clothe ourselves with those things every day we walk out of the house, every day we head towards work, every day we come to the church, every day we head towards our, our, our small group, every day we work on our, on our teams in ministry, every time we're, we're conducting ourselves with our families, we're dishing those things out. Oh, come on. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Now, why we do that? Because it binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from God, from Christ, rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. Huh. Should I meddle some more? How many of y'all drove to church this morning more, more frustrated than thankful? Huh? How many, how many of y'all had something go this week and, and your first inclination to get up this morning is like, I'm not very, I, I just want things to be different and I just can't handle how things are and I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I'm discontented and I'm dissatisfied and I'm all that. Anybody do that? Hey, listen, start looking at what you can be thankful for. Well, what? Probably the person sitting next to you. Got plenty to be thankful for there. How many of y'all still got oxygen in your lungs? You know what that means? You are not standing before any judgment seat right now. How, how many of y'all had some food? How many of y'all actually walked to the cupboard and found food in the cupboard today? Huh? Did you have water coming out your tap? Was there power on at your house today? So, so what are you not thankful about? How many of y'all got into a car and it worked today? Turned the thing on. And it got you here. Anybody like that? Huh? How many had somebody in your house try and smile at you this morning even though you was in a funky mood? Huh? So you got, I just, I just named off plenty you got to be thankful for. Huh? How many of y'all actually have money in your bank account today? How many of y'all know you got a paycheck or something coming in the next couple of weeks? Anybody got something like that? I mean, there's all kinds, right? How many of you are glad that Jesus died on a cross and rove himself from the grave? 
I mean, I can go through the, there's a list and a list and a list of stuff that you've got to be thankful for. And whatever you don't, you're not thankful for, listen, God's probably doing something to fix the character traits in you. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely serious. Most of those things are the things God's using to shave off the rough, ed- the rough edges. <laughs> I like it. Huh? Listen to these words. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Verse 16, let the message about Christ. And I say this, it's not just theolo- theological things we're supposed to grab a hold of. It's supposed to be the things that draw us close to this person of Christ. It's not about this just gaining knowledge as much as it's about gaining understanding about the person who saved us, loves us, and is walking with us through life. That's what it's about. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Like every morning, every day, every lunch, every time you lay your head down at night, every conversation you have, every interaction, every time you're on your computer, every time you're doing whatever social media thing on your phone, every time you're driving to work, driving home from work, every time you got your kids at whatever shindig they're doing, when you, when, whenever, that, that you're, you're letting that message fill your lives. Then what do you do with it? Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. There should be an interaction between us where we're counseling and encouraging one another because our lives are full of the message about Christ. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs of God with thankful hearts. You can't get away from that, that gratitude issue, right? And whatever you do or say, do it as representatives of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Thankfulness all the way through there. Connections to other people all the way through there sacrificially letting go of certain things that you maybe think you deserve. I didn't deserve them to treat me that way. Yeah, you're probably right. But tenderhearted mercy, forgiveness, patience has to come to bear in the middle of that. Are you hearing me? And so you humble yourself. Here's what I, here's what I found out. God chose and called us to, to consideration and compassion. And I would say, I would add this word in here now after a couple weeks of working process through it. And confession. Not just a code. Not just a code. We're not looking for a code of conduct we got to live by. We're looking for an interaction between God's people that bring life. And that involves consideration of the other person. It involves compassion for the other person. It involves a space where confession becomes normal. It involves that. How many of you ever heard of, uh, uh, how many, when I say the word benediction, you think of a prayer at the end of some ceremonial deal or something? Anybody? Have, if I say the word benediction, what do you think of? You think about that, right? Do you know you're absolutely wrong? The word benediction is a Latin term that means good word. You know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be people who give good words to one another. We're supposed to offer benedictions. Now listen, to, I love this. Listen. This benediction culture then works its way out to the congregation. This is a guy who, who, who pastors a big church in Nashville. Okay, This benediction culture then works its way out to the congregation during our worship gatherings. These good words get spread. Especially as congregants surround the many tables throughout our sanctuary to receive the Lord's Supper each Sunday. They do it every Sunday. We don't do it that often. I, I, my biggest concern is it becomes just rote religious ceremony if we're not careful. We do it almost mindlessly, almost mechanically, and then we forget really what it's about because we do it every week. As people approach the tables to receive the bread and cup, 
He says, pastors and other leaders look them in the eye and speak life to them in hopes of turning down the volume. This is turning down the volume on their shame and guilt and sorrows and turning up the volume on their identity as daughters and sons of the Most High God. Listen to these words. The body and blood of Christ given for you. Take, eat, and drink, and be satisfied, exclamation point. Oh, that's awesome. In Christ, God has moved your judgment day from the future to the past. Huh? You are forgiven, blameless in his sight, and you are dearly loved. The last word spoken by Christ before his death, it is finished. Mean that the pressure is off. Now live in the light of how you are loved. What if every time you show up with a group of believers, something like that was spoken to you? The pressure is off. Your judgment day is moved from the future to the past. That today you are dearly loved. You are accepted in the beloved. And God has a plan for you to accomplish through you. And you, it, it, what if we did that every Sunday? What if that happened every Sunday? Every small group setting, every time we gather for a birthday party or, a, or an anniversary setting or, or some other kind of holiday celebration, what happens if the people of God engage one another like that and suddenly the other people in the vicinity go, what in the world's going on among them? They're not ugly and harsh, and, but they are kind of messed up. They got issues. You know what? I hope to goodness... One of, the, one of the things you hear about church, about church people is they're just hypocrites. Now listen, if we're doing our job, there's a bunch of people who aren't perfect yet sitting here. And because of that, we're going to have problems and issues and things are going to happen. But doggone it, if we had to wait to be perfect, would none of us be here? And therefore, the hypocrisy thing is a, is a total farce. It's just a farce. We need each other. That's why we're here. We need to help one another. That's why we're here. Not because we're perfect, but because we keep trying to impress and are worried about image. Suddenly we get the moniker that we got all our junk together, and that's not the case at all. Right? So here, I mean, I'm just... Ugh. Are you still with me? There's this pastor guy, I, I listen to his podcast and follow him some on Twitter and read his blogs and stuff. And he, 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 makes, he makes 10 daily confessions every morning about his life. To remind himself what he's supposed to be about doing. And he sent out like some like little screenshot thingies of him. And I'm going to show you one of them right now. He says this every morning. I love people and believe the best about others. I love people and believe the best about others. I just made that my, my wallpaper this week on my phone. Every time I open my phone, that's, that, those words stare back at me. Because I, like you, sometimes get cynical. I, like you, sometimes get critical. I, like you, sometimes become unforgiving. I, like you, sometimes don't want to dish out mercy. I, like you, sometimes don't remember that these are people made in the image of God. And I'm like, my job is to love people and believe the best about them because that, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says love is about. Love believes the best. And so that's what we got, we've got to be about doing. See, placing him first means loving one another. Those sitting right next to you, sacrificially, the way he loved you so others can see his work. For the last three weeks, we've, I don't know if you've, you've paid attention, we've concentrated on three things Jesus said. Without actually concentrating on three things Jesus said. The first week we talked about Jesus is the king. You know why? Because God gave us one great commandment. And he said this, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus said that's the first and greatest. And then he said, he coupled it with another one. He goes, and the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's why your plans have to be on submission to God's plan and your role in his plan. That's last week, right? And now this week, here's the deal. Jesus is sitting in a, in a closed up room with his disciples the night of his betrayal. He's going through a thing we call Passover, the Passover dinner. He's washed their feet. He's, he's, he's about to institute this idea of communion. And he looks at them and he says these words from John 13. So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. The first two were love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, now I'm giving you a new one. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. See, the difference is you love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You love people who you are not in covenant with the same way you love yourself. Okay, people outside the doors, you, you, you make sure that they, if you'd feed yourself, you'd feed them, if you clothe your, but then he takes it to another level and he goes, now I want you to love the people sitting in this room with you the way I loved you. Ooh. Your, look at verse 35, your love for one another. You want to be evangelistic? Got to apply this from this thing first, right here. Some of you are worried about reaching so many people out there, and you don't even care about the people who are sitting right here next to you. Some of you want to go do mission work overseas, and you ain't even worried about the people who are right outside your back door. You're not even worried about people who live in your same house. You're worried about you know you're worried about people out there knowing Jesus, and you can't even talk to your spouse well. Your love for one another will prove will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Could he be any more profound than that? Huh? Scott Saul says this, they, Paul and Jesus, viewed the transfer of grace as something that happens not only between a people and God, but also between people and people. It's a community affair, not a private affair. So how do, you, how, how do you get to this place where, where you're, 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 you're placing Jesus first in the community of faith that you, you, you're supposed to walk with? Number one, you, you develop an otherish heart, not a selfish heart. You, you get rid of the selfish part of it, and you, you become otherish. Number two, you be renewed by refusing self. You know what wears you out more than anything? You trying to get what you think you want and you think you deserve. And everything's all about you. When it doesn't happen, expectations crumble, disappointment happens, and all of a sudden you're frustrated, you're tired, you're wore out, you're weary. And guess what? The way you, you overcome that is you, you refuse to let self, self be king. And you become renewed in your mind, in your heart. And number three, choose your calling by being considerate and compassionate. Choose your calling by being considerate and compassionate. This morning, we're going to end service a little different than normal. We're going to take communion together. So here's the first thing. You've got to know Jesus first before you, before you, before you walk up here. How do, you, who do I, how do I get to know Jesus? Like this. You get to know Jesus by believing he is who he said he was and making a confession with your life. That's it. Secondly, you make yourself available to the people of God. 
you become a part. You, you know, like, like this is the first time ever, I think, at Church Triumphant, we've done both things, Jesus, the, the, both, both uh, what's the word I want to say? Sacraments that Jesus told us to make sure we kept doing after he left. To be baptized and to partake of the Lord's Supper. I think the first time, my, my recollection, we've ever done both in the same service. Kind of by accident, honestly. It wasn't really necessarily planned that way. It just kind of happened that way. But it was a God thing, right? Totally a God thing. And we need to apply them and realize that we're called to live life with Christ, with other people, thereby growing up into Christ-likeness. That's what we're supposed to be about. If you don't know Jesus, it's simple like this. You go, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. That's why that tank is so important. That's why anybody sitting next to you who doesn't know you've made a confession to follow faith. There's a guy who's a leader in our community. It was beautiful. I went to a meeting. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a part of, uh, don't, don't throw anything at me. I'm a part of the government locally. And I was in a meeting recently. When the meeting was over, there was about four of us hanging out around. <laughs> and the one guy who was leading the meeting started telling us the story about how his parents have just died in the last six months of Alzheimer's. And one day as he was going about his business, he felt compelled by the Lord to make a phone call to his folks because they'd never had the conversation about where they were, spiritually speaking. They'd, I can't imagine living in the same world. They never had a conversation. God set him up. He drove, he, he just nixed the rest of his appointments on his calendar, drove to his parents' house. They sat and talked about their profession of faith in the person of Christ. Just the right time at the right space, right in the right, and, and, and he's, he said, it makes all, the, his parent, one parent died in December, one parent died in March. And he said, it makes all the difference in the world right now that somebody, that, that I know that their hearts were centrally located on the person of Christ. And right now, it helps you that somebody else knows, and it helps them that they know how to pray for you how to walk with you, how to encourage you. And so it's very important. The, 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 the one thing you have to do in becoming a Christian is to believe and confess. That's what Romans 10 says. So if you don't do that, you can't. There's like a roadblock between you getting there. And it's just as simple. You say, Jesus, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that I'm lost without you, I'm a sinner, and I'm messed up. But your blood covers all of it, and your spirit is enough to strengthen me and to help me be the Lord of my life. Bam, it's over. Just that fast. You have just translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And before you can partake of this up here at the table where you receive communion and the blood and the body of Christ, you got to walk through that door first. That's the, that's the only prerequisite. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.